With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Video podcasting to you from a field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey and this is Malby on the Spot. When you get a chance every week, thanks to Anfield Index Pro, to listen to the wit and wisdom of my podcast pal Jan Malby as we talk about Liverpool and all things to do with the club. And Jan, it's another one of those weeks. We thought we turned the corner. We hadn't turned the corner. Uh, we've run straight into a wall, in fact, uh, and the wheels have come right off. It feels that way, at least to me. It's hard not to um, sigh a little bit and just go, my God, <laughs> I guess this is going to last all season. Um, a real spirit crusher at one against Real Madrid. Yeah, good evening, Trevor. It's, uh, it's a bastard of a week, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we didn't quite see that one coming out. It's almost one of those where you forget after 14 minutes we were actually winning 2-0. You know, it's, it's just... Yeah, it was quite something what happened at Anfield on, uh, on Tuesday night. We will get into a bit of that in detail because there are some aspects of it that we can't ignore, really. Um, but just there's a bigger context here, which is the, 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 the overall season. And, you know, I'm just looking at where we're at now and 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 the 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 stretch that's ahead it's unrelenting man it's unrelenting um there was a little bit of a feel that 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 there might be a potential to salvage something even from a premier league point of view with uh, a couple of recent wins and we look ahead now we've got games away at wolves or sorry at home to wolves and, and and manchester united uh we then head off to um bournemouth but before all that, we've got Palace away. Um, and there's no way in which any of that is too appealing. And before you know it, then, the next step after Bournemouth is heading off to what could be a really potentially very difficult evening uh, in Madrid uh, before we start the run-in then, which has no easy whiff about it either of about 10 games or so. Um, it, it's hard currently, uh, and, and I'm very aware that we're kind of wildly oscillating every week, it's hard currently to feel too excited about all of this. Part of me, I don't know, again, yeah, this may seem defeatist to you, but part of me is just wouldn't mind if we could just draw a line under and take whatever that meant now, you know, and just because we desperately need to reset. Yeah, I mean, the biggest problem is, Trevor, and, and, and this is the first time I think we've said this on this show, that we can't trust the team anymore. Um, mm. You know, we, we had the two wins against Everton and Newcastle. I'm not suggesting any of them were any minute at the level that we've come used to over the last four years. But you always think, what kickstarts the season? What gets you going again? What motivates you? You know, what might you get us going for the run of the season? Isn't it? And then we produce what we produce against Real Madrid. And then, of course, everything comes back into focus then, doesn't it? Because then you go back to the Newcastle game and go, well, you know, actually, you know, for 70 minutes against 10 men, we didn't do an awful lot, did we? It, it, it never gave you the impression, although the first 15 minutes and how we tactically wanted to play was spot on and that got us to win. And I'm not suggesting that we were ever close to winning or losing the game because we weren't. We were, we were winning 2-0, but there was loads of aspects in the game where you think, who was our best player at Newcastle? 
it was our goalkeeper, wasn't it? Uh, so all that now comes back into play, doesn't it? But I think the one thing now, Trevor, is that there's too many of these matches now. Uh, too often we concede three, you know, and more. And not very often we concede more than, than three, but we, we concede too many goals. And I think the time have come, and everybody's been out on saying during the week, haven't they? Whether it was Jamie Carrick or Danny Murphy or whatever. And I think everybody's kind of reached the conclusion that we need to draw a line in the sand and go, okay, it is a massive reset that's needed. That means that we have to say, say farewell to some of the players that, you know, we, we've grown to be very fond of, haven't we? Because of what they've given us. And that's always the hard bit, isn't it? You know, when do you cut these players and how do you, how do you deal with it all, isn't it? But I think we've reached a level now where we're looking at some of the players and go, if we want to be, see, the thing, Trevor, is that Real Madrid is our level. You know, it's the level we want to be at. They got every chance of being in the Champions League final again, but we want to be at that level. Three finals the last five years, that is our level, isn't it? And that's why it was such a massive awakening where you go, wow, this is now actually the difference between a team who's got a chance of winning the Champions League and what we know now, a team who has no chance. Yeah, uh, it, it is that. It is that. It's a proper moment where I think everyone could see the wheels had come off have come off we were lured into some sort of a sense of of, of optimism with the two back-to-back 2-0 wins but like you rightly point out the previous game to that was a 3-0 defeat uh to wolves brighton had beaten us 2-1 before that we managed a nil nil with chelsea we just about scraped past uh wolves in the fa cup before that uh three nil brighton beat us previous to that two all with wolves previous to that three one brentford beat us before that let's get a bit of a grip i suppose is what i i find myself saying um because it's not like this is uh a based exclusively on one capitulation this is like you have pointed out a, a trend we have and we seem to have this remarkable capacity to concede goals to player to teams that are theoretically at least not in the same class as us as you rightly point out real madrid is uh where we are at that is liverpool class um anyone who doubts that has the statistic that you quoted to back that up um but the, the the level of fall off is is quite a worry and it has people making all sorts of wild statements opposition fans having the crack um uh making wildly outlandish statements about the standard of our players but also some of our own fans and like you mentioned as well some people who i wish sometimes they should know a little bit better uh, especially being former reds making making Daft statements, one by the aforementioned Danny Murphy today chatting about Trent and his schoolboy error mistakes. And doesn't it make you wonder sometimes, Jan, about, not to pick on Danny specifically, but doesn't it make you wonder a little bit that fellas can can be riding high on how we're great uh, and how wonderful Trent Alexander-Arnold is as a, as a player, for an example, Um what a wonderful swashbuckling style we have, the greatness of his attacking play, and, and acknowledge that, well, that leaves gaps, but the midfield has to cover in behind. All and then all of a sudden, it's like they've discovered the wheel, saying, well, Trent's up high up the pitch. It just feels a bit opportunistic, doesn't it? It feels a bit simplistic, an awful lot of the criticism that we're hearing there. It, it feels a little bit lazy, if, yeah. if anything. Uh, yeah. I, I always, it's like, you watch a game of football and you pick the best player on the pitch. Uh, and most people can recognize who that is. Uh, but, but, but that player isn't always the one with the most potential. And it's the same when you watch a game of football and you pick what you think perceived to be the worst player in 18. Uh, and listen, I can easily understand that some people would watch Liverpool and go, the right back is not a very good right back. But the right back is, 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 is not a right back, is he? As such, he's, he's a quarterback, isn't he? Playing as a right back in a system that the manager designed that's give us, I would argue, not enough trophies for how good we've been, but that's mm-hmm. maybe down to Manchester City, isn't it? But through what the manager did with his team and with some of these players, some of these players that he recognized were special and could do things that nobody else could do. We reached the levels that we reached. Uh, so yeah, it's, I can understand people go, 
Trent is not doing A, B and C. No, but Trent is not really being asked to do A, B and C because we would rather he does other things before he does the basics that the majority of right-backs in the world football do. We ask him to do different things because he's so important with the way that we play, isn't it? So, it's, it's yeah, I, I can understand people are going to go. And, and I hear more and more people go, this is what we need to do. We move to move Trent into midfield. No, we don't. We need to keep Trent as a right-back because that's where he has the most benefit for our team. There is no doubt in my mind. Look, uh, you, you used a very interesting analogy there, and it's perfect. Um, Trent is that quarterback, if you like. It's a perfect analogy. They used to t- uh, refer to Beckham as that uh, for United at, w- at one point as well. And the kind of thing that like the play goes through this guy, and he is the most creative outlet. He's the best passer of the ball and all the rest of it. Uh, it makes perfect sense, and we are Liverpool under Klopp are champion, uh, championing or, or, or innovating a, a new style uh, of, of right back in Trent and in uh, Robbo. And it just, it, like I say, it was just a classic example of some of this lazy criticism that I heard. Now, if we're going to be fair to an awful lot of fellas who have to go on TV and chat for a living about about football, they could be. Uh, forgiven for saying that there was a there was a remarkable lack of leadership and character on display. Um, I don't know. That's uh, sometimes I hate these terms. Yeah, they sound very uh, British, stiff upper lip nonsense. But they are they are things that a team needs, and our team has been full of. Um, but when you look at what happened, even say post the in, initial double substitution. What happened was nothing. Nothing happened. We, we created nothing. There were no opportunities, no uh, shots at goal, no flurries around the box, no constantly keeping this team who had had the audacity to humiliate us under pressure. Nothing. It was, I wanted, and again, to throw it back to old football, I wanted someone to start going in late on fellas. I wanted someone to start you know, kicking lads up in the air, anything to show a little bit of irritation at what was occurring to our team. Do you, does that make sense? Yeah, because I thought exactly that when James Miller came on. I yeah. went, well, at least at least he's going to come on and get a booking. Uh, yeah. and, and even he disappointed me because he didn't get a booking. Uh, but, but that was my instant when he came on. I went, oh, okay, he's going to run around, he's going to kick a few, and he's just going to... But from the 70th minute to the end, Real Madrid had the easiest training session they've ever had. Uh, so in, in terms of one thing I never liked, I never liked to label at players that they're not trying. Uh, and I don't think we could ever label at our players they're not trying. But we're having a lot of, they're having a lot of problems that they're trying to deal with. And a lot of them have an individual problems as well as problems in within a team. Uh, and, and, and that's probably the best solution in that when you talk about how do we get a product like we're getting on the pitch at the moment, how does that happen? Well, a lot of things and a lot of things that are not going well. Uh, and it's very, very difficult. You're not telling me now that, you know, you talk about, talk about Trent again. Let's come back to Trent. And we talk about Vinicius Jr. We ran the risk of showing him more green grass than he's seen all season because of the way we want to play. That was the risk we ran. Now, in the end, it cost us dearly, but it was the chance that we took. And it was also one of the reasons that after 15 minutes, we were leading 2-0. People are then saying, once you go 2-0 up, you want to go different? No, because at 2-0, it either goes 5-0 for us or they might be able to come back, isn't it? But you're not going to tell me, you're 2-0 after 14 minutes, you go, we're going to drop deep and we're going to try and sit on what we got because that's not how we play. So we ran, we, 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 we run the risk, we play with more risk than anyone else. And even when Klopp knows, and again, let's talk about Trent. Trent can only play the way he wants to play when the right centre-half is playing as well as he's ever done, whoever that is. When the right side of midfield player has to help him, Jordan Henderson is playing as well as he's ever had. And when Mo Salah is occupying the opposition's left-back going the other way. But all them things are not happening, are they? So everything is coming on top of trend, isn't it? Because the right-hand side of centre-half can only cope with his own job. Jordan Henderson can only just cope with his own job. And and Mo, attacking-wise, is still doing his bit, isn't he? All the things that was our strength, all of them, Trevor, are now our weaknesses. You know, all yeah. the things that people did. People didn't want to come to Anfield and play an open game. People didn't want to get in a, in a straight running match with us, but now they do. 
Now they do. And it's hard to see that going away anytime soon. And when you see uh, looks of kind of quizzical amusement on the manager's face, what else are you supposed to do, I guess? But it just does speak to a little bit of confusion all around um, from everybody as to how this has managed to go so horribly wrong. Um, The the, the concept of the underperformance in that second half, um, I absolutely get what you're saying. It wasn't... I didn't mean to imply imply a lack of effort. What I did mean to imply was a lack of efficacy. There was nothing worth a damn happening, uh, which is very very hard to understand, uh, given given what what happened. And and it could even be, let's just throw this one out here as well because it's it's a common topic for 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 conversation. It could even be perhaps that. Uh, the, the manager has been sort of in some way infected by whatever sort of malaise is afflicting the camp because that was weird. The initial double substitution felt weird to me. You had two lads who are, are senior pros and who were both, it appeared effectively dropped by Klopp. He denied it, but it seemed that, uh, certainly Fab was, um, and who, whose legs were starting to go a bit. You, you know, you could see that happening. And uh, you had a kid who was our chief outlet for creativity, for, uh, uh, getting a foot in and, and, and also for, for just being a bit of an engine there in the middle of the park. And what people forget about kids, Jan, is that despite the fact that they're young and have all the energy in the world, the stress of that occasion can really sap your legs too. And, and, and he looked a bit gassed as well. So surely the midfield was the area to make the change. Does that not make sense to you? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we, we can't run away from the fact that we need, we need, we need new midfield players and we can't run away from the fact that we don't look good in midfield and we can't run away from the fact that we can't find the right midfield balance, can we? Even against Newcastle 11 against 10, I'm still looking, I'm thinking we, I don't feel comfortable with the midfield. And the way that that they that they work, uh, Henderson and Fabinho together. You know, I mean, I look at. Are you that person who has everything, the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection, from our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, and hats to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy, by searching for Anfield Index. I look at Luka Modric, you know what I mean, and I'm thinking, yeah, there's it. it. And I think that kind of, what Klopp has done with his team, when you look, when when you sort of peel it all back and go, well, Luka Modric will always be a great player, won't he? But we've, we managed to put our players into a system and we've elevated a lot of them in terms of them being at the highest level without maybe having that natural ability. You know, like Luca Motors has that natural ability to just play and whatever. But we had to coast and we had to put them into a system and, and we've, we've enabled them, some of them for five, six years, to be able to, to dine with the best of them. We, and, and now it's getting peeled back and we don't have as much quality as some of the others. That, that is just blatant. Yeah. Again, very, very interesting. And it comes to the, the manager question again about, you know, does, were the correct decisions made in terms of renewing that midfield? The Modric thing is a particularly interesting example. You look at that guy, he can come on and at one stage he's, he's tearing away from our entire midfield and looking like a, a young whippersnapper. Um, I made that point after the game and a couple of people completely misread the point I was making. Like they were saying, yeah, well, that's Luka Modric. What do you expect? I was saying, no, the fact that a fella who's older than Milner can at that stage of the game outpace everyone and run away from our midfield as if they're sort of pub lads. It, that's, that was the worry. That was what left me uh, sort of aghast. And Modric has been, because they've gone and they've done that re- recruitment, they basically bought three new young fellas to take the, that replacement. He can 
come on and he can play every second game. He can play a run of games if, if the form is good. If it's not good, he can be taken out. You put in a Chimeni, a Valverde, you put in a, 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 a any number of, of, of their, their, their new uh, up and comers or a, or a lad like Cruz. What they've done is they've replenished. And they've allowed those guys to grow old gracefully. We haven't. We've allowed our lads to be horribly exposed. And I think it does come down to what you're saying. It comes down to a fact that maybe we don't have those real natural ballers. And a couple of our lads are starting to show that um, age that, that just happens. And they haven't been allowed to, like I say, grow old gracefully. There's no way. There's no way of sketching around it, Jan. It's it's it comes back to that recruitment. It's a glaring, glaring issue that we need to address. And now everything's up in the air because already this week they're saying there it's been dropped in by all the usual suspects. Oh well, uh, the budget will be Champions League dependent. Holy shit! I mean, how can we have that? I mean that's not that's not okay. That's not that that is not acceptable for us. No, that we, is that is not acceptable. No. no, we need to have at least the, re, the reassurance of of look, there'll be money regardless, right? Yeah, no, absolutely, and big money, and mm. and they must know that. So so you said we we've allowed our players to become exposed, and we have we've also allowed them to become older together. You know, Real Madrid have bought as young as anyone over the last five years because they knew. Although they had that wonderful midfield three of Casemiro and, and the other two that are still there, but they knew at some stage, it's a bit like when Roy Keane left Manchester United and I've spoke to him about it. And he said, I went to Celtic. I knew I was dead in the water. Mm. I couldn't play up there. He said, but I could have played another two years at Manchester United, being protected by better players, mm. you know, and only having to do so much. He said, but I went to, to, to Glasgow as the big and everybody expected, he said, I was not that type. He said, as soon as I knew that, I, was, I knew I was dead in the water. And it's a bit like what's happened to our players, isn't it? Uh, you, you put them together. And I mentioned before Fabinho and Henderson, you put them two together in midfield now against a class opposition, they'll struggle. But if it's just one of them with somebody else who's the right age and the right profile, then you get away with it because then they can bring something else. Then you can bring your experiences. You can bring your know-how, you know, all that that you bring because you've seen it all, haven't you? But when you put them all together, and we get too many, you know, it, it, it spells danger. Yeah, it really, really does. Um, I don't know that it's worth our while pulling too many more scabs off what is already sort of a very uncomfortable uh, experience that we all sort of sat through um, on the night. Except to say that the one thing I would also query is when they got their second um, through our goalkeeping error, we, we actually got our second through a goalkeeping error as well. But when they got their second, it was almost as if we didn't stand up and back Ali the way that he stood up and backed us. And if we're being perfectly honest, we could, we could and possibly should have gone down uh, a third before the break. It takes a really good intervention by Danny Murphy to stop them sweeping one home with a movement that just cut us open. Um, they come out and it's, what is it, two minutes in before they ping in that goal and then it's four and then it's five. It was relentless. It was cruel. It was, it, it looked like a team being handed a lesson. It looked like the arse fell out of everything that we were doing. Is it simplistic to say that it comes down to legs? Is it systemic? I mean, how else can you explain? You, you said it early on at the top of the show. Liverpool and Real Madrid are of a level. Last year in the Champions League final, we outplayed them. It was robbery, their win. It's not that long ago. Players don't get immediately old in that time. What, what, what is there? Is there some other element that we as non-footballers or managers or people involved in the game aren't seeing that could be sort of infecting the whole setup? I, I don't think so, Trevor. I mean, uh, I, I, I keep coming back. So I had a similar experience, didn't I? The last time this, this sort of thing happened at Liverpool, I was there. Uh, and yeah, you refuse to believe what is happening. But as we have the stats to back things up, isn't it? It's, but I, I don't think there's anything other than what we're seeing. Uh, 
what what can you say? I mean, the system four three three, but that's what Jurgen plays, and he's very good at it. Players getting old, yeah, they are. We can't deny that. Lex gone. You know, that's a tricky one, isn't it? What what does that actually mean? Your legs are gone. Uh, that is a tricky one, but he looks like that. You know, and for me, Fabinho being the best example of a set of legs that are no longer what what, what they used to be. Coming back to your point before about the game, 2-0, Quattro makes a mistake. It didn't really affect them uh, because they believed in what they had. We make a mistake and they come back to 2-2 and our world fail, fell in because I also believed that we couldn't believe that we were winning 2-0. And then 2-1 then and we're thinking, we need every look in the world to be able to hold on to this. And then we semi-present them with a goal. And I think some of our players just couldn't take that as well on board and go, I've got now got to deal with us gifting them a goal. And it almost became too much, isn't it? It just, everything in that game inspired them. Whereas everything that went against us became an even bigger problem than what they have to be. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, look, we have two two games to look forward to probably before we get to chat next. So we'll probably spend a good bit of the second half of the show talking about just that and trying to focus on what we can do. But maybe as a kind of an interim thing, we could actually just address something that I mentioned at the start because it was very, I don't know, was it worrying to me? I think it was. I've seen the likes of of Dave David Maddock in the mirror, at least one or two other people, I think Ornstein as well, making comments around you know how, whether or not the funds will be limited and comments around the very specific figure of four recruits even Carragher mentioned it on whatever channel he was doing i presume it was sky so very interesting uh, to see that very very interesting to hear um the 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 Oftentimes, it seems to be that there's a party line that's put out there and it's to condition us to get thinking about a certain way or have certain expectations. Now, four players, that's where I want to start. I would have thought at least three of them would need to be uh, midfield players. Um, and I, I think it's becoming increasingly evident with uh, Kanate's injury record and the possibility that none of us want to face that Virgil van Dijk may not get back to his level. It may be that we need a centre-half as well. That would be my suggestion for where those four would have to go. You may have completely different ideas and you may think, like an awful lot of us do, there's going to be more than four that's necessary to change this, uh, to arrest this slide. So, where do you see the recruits being mostly needed, Jan? Um, what what areas of the pitch are you addressing, and what do you think is a realistic amount, not, not money wise, but heads wise, to get in? Well, I don't think you're a million miles off with four, and that's the centre half. I think we're absolutely desperate for the centre half, whatever way you wrap it up. We need two starters in centre midfield, and I also think that with the six forwards that we have. Uh, the balance with the six forwards we have is not right either. Mm. Uh, you know, the only one who can comfortably play the nine or the false nine is Bobby Firmino. And then we have sort of five wide attackers. So maybe we need to shift one or two of the attackers to bring somebody else in. Uh, and, and, and I suggest that that guy might just be somebody who's a bit more sensible than what we got at the moment, isn't it? Although in the last couple of games, it seems that we've been working on a plan with the front three. You know, we're, we're getting them closer together. Uh, we're, we're starting to empty the spaces that Bobby Firmino was so good at emptying and then for the wide men to run into those positions and score the goals, i.e. we get our wide goal scorers to have their attempts more centrally than what, maybe what we did a month ago, isn't it? But no, a centre-half, two centre-midfield players and a striker. And three of those, and this is something we've been very reluctant to do, is to buy players for our starting eleven, to start. If you look yeah. at that, if you look at our buys over the last three years, who have we actually bought to start in our first eleven? Gonate was was Mr. Hope, isn't it? Maybe Thiago, uh, David Nunez. But beyond that, most of them. Shota was a squad player. Luis Diaz certainly was at the time when he came because Sadio Mane was still there, and whatever. So now we need to buy at least a centre half and two centre midfield players for our starting eleven. So that means better than what we've got. And then the striker could be somebody interested in a bit of a project. 
because we we do have a number we do have enough numbers up front, isn't it? But four and you you are reluctant to ask me the money, Chavez, isn't it? But hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. I know it's FSG, and I know the way that they like to run the, the club and whatever it is, but I'm suggesting 200. We're looking around 200 to to be competitive. Yeah, I, I don't see any way around that. Um, which brings us to the very ugly elephant in the room, which is we know how these guys operate. You just said it yourself. Um, and... If there is already being warning signs floated in the media about the potentiality for less money available for funds, uh, if Champions League isn't attained, do we look at, are we looking at the reality, the very real possibility of prized asset like Mo Salah being moved on to fund, um, some exciting new talent? Because, you know, last time we bought starters, you're right. It was the spine of the team. It was Ali. Virgil, Fab, those guys came and came straight into the team, more or less. Um, at least two of them may well be on the wane. Um, so we are looking at a new cycle, and we are looking at new starters. And to fund that with our current owners and our longtime owners, it appears, Jan, if everything is to believe, mm. um, it's 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 the sell-to-buy model that we've always employed. So, I mean, asking it upset a lot of people the concept of mo not being a red anymore but i i can i, I see that as a very real possibility it, it's been crossing my mind several times over the last few days what do you think of that do you think that's daft no i don't uh if if the non-qualification of the champions league will have such a big impact on our budget then you have to ask the question where's our money you know where where are we going to get the money to replace these guys within and so we will have to put feelers out what is somebody prepared to pay for Mo? What is somebody prepared to pay for Schotter? Shoal Matic, we already believe that they're quite happy to let go for 15 million. We can live with that. Centre midfield, somebody prepared to pay for Fab? You know, he might have to go for us to be able to be in a position to, uh, to replace those guys. Isn't it? So no, I don't think. But I, I mean, I didn't see those comments, sort of, uh, but when you mentioned the names, respectable people who maybe had a nuts from somewhere in what you should write, isn't it? If we're already, if we're already being semi disappointed, then you always feel that there might even be worse to come. I understand that we, we have the biggest ways that we've ever had, but that's only natural, isn't it? You know, after five years of the success we've had, the least you can do is reward your own players for, for what they brought to the club, isn't it? So, but if, if the Champions League, or if we don't qualify, if that will have such a massive impact on, what we're going to do in the summer that will disappoint me yeah for sure and again there's another factor you just mentioned there that, that comes into my head that most also a record earner of all time in terms of that wage bill so you know it is i'm sure fab's on a big whack too it's it, it, it you, we i think realistically people are going to have to get their heads around what they could be looking at is to not quite dismantling but very much a massive sea change in terms of the the, the starting 11 and Personally, I, I, I would be very excited about that and welcome it. Um, so look, we, we're going to be limping on with whatever we have until the end of the season. That's just how it is and see what we can achieve. Uh, and there'll be more and more information you'd like to think coming available to us as that season goes on. 
But before we focus on the next couple of fixtures, which um, we have ahead of us, um, and like I say, it's 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 um, uh, Crystal Palace on on Saturday, an annoyingly late kickoff time of record eight on a Saturday, which is just weird. Uh, and then we have on Wednesday at our place, we also have Wolves again because we just love playing Wolves. Um, before we focus on both of those games, and we will. Bit of news today that I thought we could spend a little bit of time reflecting on, uh, just a few minutes at least, which was the loss of John Motson. Uh, and I was having a look today at some of the tributes to John Motson. And of course, guess who pops up front and center? Um, in uh, one of his uh, uh, most well liked clips, only a certain Danish lad on the other end of the line. Um, and it was an extract from the the 86 cup final a uh, little reference to oh my word the vision basically uh, and it was great to watch and it was it was lovely to listen to and i went down a really nostalgic sort of 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 of, of rabbit hole listening to all the old Matson clips and I, I it struck me today ahead of the show i've got to ask the man this it's one thing for me and i i, I remember Matson, of course Brian Moore is a real uh, voice from my my young days as a, as a boy supporting Liverpool as well. But it's one thing for me remembering that and going, oh God, I, I know almost every line in this commentary because I have it on VHS somewhere and replayed and replayed and replayed. But you were part of these setups that were being commented on by these sort of legends of, of commentary like Motson. Do you have any specific John Motson memories at all or any particular moments that stand out for you? Uh, I don't know if I have any specific uh, memories from, from John Motson, but when, when you're a player, and obviously during the week, it's nowhere near the way it is today, but during the week, uh, reporters and sometimes commentators would come to the ground to interview players and most of those guys would be uh, radio guys and whatever and we knew all them whether that was Clive Tilsley or whoever else worked in, in that in that branch of the, and the BBC commentators the TV commentators we only very rarely saw uh, and it was generally one of them that's John Mutson you know you'd point and you'd go <laughs> yeah. that's John Mutson over there and you would never you know, you'd shout something to Clive Tilsley or whoever, uh, but John Motson, you would never. He was like, <laughs> and obviously, you know, the reason everybody knew it was him because of the coat. You know, it's the like, coat, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. because I remember when when I when I came over in 1984, and then when we got to the, I wasn't even aware of how the, the FA Cup was put together, and with the, the the lower league clubs playing round one and two, and then round three, uh, and and that was at the time when John Motson popped up on our screens and, and and the first thing I noticed was was obviously the coach. So when I saw him the next time, you kind of go, that's John Watson. And how do you know that? I know that because of the coach, isn't it? So, I mean, it's not so long ago, I mean, when he had a he had a less and less role within the BBC uh, and he did some of the matches of the day, matches and whatever. But I would regularly see him out and about. Uh, he was happy. And if he didn't recognise the coach or if he got rid of the coach, you could never mistake the voice, could you? You know, exactly, it's yeah. just a it's a voice you've heard so many, many, many times, isn't it? So come across him thousands of times, you know what I mean? But never like I said, always with that respect of, you know, he's almost like commentary royalty, you know. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you you nod your head or you even shake his hand or whatever, isn't it? But you know, you wouldn't I mean the amount of journalists over the years that we've had a beer with or whatever, you know what I mean? But John Watson was a bit more, he would either be with the chairman and the board or managers or whatever. You know, he was, he was not with the players. You know what I mean? He was not himself, but it was just a way that it was where we elevated him to, wasn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. we had so much respect for him. Yeah, you're right. A bit, a bit of an institution and, and, and I suppose the BBC thing, has its own, used to have far more sort of uh, cachet to it as well. It made me wonder as well when you when you I've never asked you do you do you ever do the sort of co commentary work for Danish TV the, during the match stuff or do you do the panel in studio stuff only? 
And no. I, I ask because I wonder, would you have liked to have worked with any commentator in particular? You mentioned Tilsley. People love Tilsley now because he's yeah. quite he's quite animated, right? You know, he's a bit, a bit of life about him. Have you ever done any of that, like, co-commentator during a game stuff? That's that's basically all I do, Trevor. Uh, I, I go into the studio every now and again, but mainly what I do is co-commentary. Uh, and I have a, we have basically three guys we, we send over from Premier League games uh, that I work with. And I have one guy I work with in the Champions League. As I said, every now and again, I'll be in, in, in the studio, but as a pundit, more like Carragher or Real Ferdinand or whatever. Uh, I started, you know, back in sort of 2005 with, with Radio 5 Live and worked with all those guys. Alan Green, you will remember Alan Green mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. a very significant voice and John Murray and I've worked with all those guys, uh, throughout the years. So yeah, I've come across a fair few, but I've never worked with. With John Watson, I don't think I've ever sat next to Clive Tilsley either. Uh, but yeah, it's it's good fun. It gets you to the games as well, Trevor, which is a big thing. But I also like talking during the game. It's studio is a little bit easier, isn't it? Because you either talk at halftime or something is already happened or at the end of the game about. Whereas in commentary, sometimes you have to stick your neck out, isn't it? And try and predict where the game is heading or whatever. You know what I mean? But I enjoy that. And I, I assume that you do it in your native tongue for the most part. Yeah, or or all of it is. Yeah, every now and again, I moonlight a little bit for Liverpool TV. You know what I mean? But apart from that, it's all in the it's all in the nature tongue. Which, of course, Trevor, you now speak fluent. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Uh, all my all my worries were put to bed immediately. Uh, I I I, I want to pass on a few little uh, tourist stories that you're just going to wince and shake your head at. Day one. We got there. We decided, right, we've got to go and have some of the s'more bread. I, I'm saying mm-hmm. that wrong. Uh, but uh, because we were, this is the thing to have. Uh, we must have wandered into the poshest little uh, shopping uh, complex in the poshest part of Denmark. Because I think we had three individual sandwiches with different toppings and two glasses of wine. The whole thing was the equivalent of about 130 euros, maybe more. And I was going, oh my, oh my word, this is going to be a difficult. Uh, I'm going to have to start balancing the, the, the books a bit here. But I think that was one particular fleecing. Everything after that was just fantastic. I have to say, uh, and we got to, got to grips with the currency quite, quite easily. But I, I have to say, and everyone was so bloody friendly. And you were right. They almost winced when you asked. It, do you speak English? No, but they, yeah. it's almost like, don't be stupid. Of course, I speak English, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in fairness, you, you can be a little bit unlucky with, especially with the smart boy, because some of them do, but yeah, it's overcharged, isn't it? Uh, yeah. and then, and you then decide to drink wine with it, isn't it? But it's like, from mistakes like that, Trevor, you learn quick, don't you? You learn quick. You learn quick and you start to, 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 to adjust. And I did. Ah, fantastic city. Uh, uh, must, must share some, some stories with you again at some other point. Um, in terms of, 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 of looking at Reds related business, which I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes for, for the rest of the year for us, Jan, because, you know, we're lurching along a bit now. Maybe this whole Premier League run in will be a source of joy. Who knows? We've got Palace away, uh, away next. Uh, and just for the, uh, benefit of, of 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 listeners who may not necessarily be following what Palace are doing, because I know I would be in that bracket if I was listening to this show. And uh, their last outing was a one-all draw with Brentford at Brentford's place. Previously, that was a one-all draw with Brighton at home. Uh, they went to United before that and lost two-one, a nil-nil with Newcastle before that, a one-one uh, with United before that and they lost narrowly 1-0 to uh, Chelsea in the match before that uh, and went down the third round in the, the previous encounter uh, 2-1 to Southampton uh, at their own place. It's by no means an impressive run of fixtures or anything of the sort and when we look at where they are in the table they're 12th which sounds very, very lowly indeed, until you realise that we're eighth. Now, they are quite a few points behind. I think it's nine or something like that points behind us. Um, but they will present a very specific challenge. Let's just take a quick look at them first and see what you make of them. And again, just for the record, so that folks have a little bit of an idea uh, of what they look like these days. We'll just go through the, the team for the last game against Brentford. They lined up with 
Guaita in goals. They had uh, Gay and Anderson at uh, centre half, Mitchell and Klein at full back, uh, Lakonga and Ducore uh, in centre of the field. A, a, a trio ahead of them of Schlupp, uh, Olise and Ayu and Mateta up top. And on their bench uh, these days, they have uh, Mijovojevic, their ex captain and, and, and uh, long servant there, uh, Bretzi. Easy, who's a very good player as well. James MacArthur was on that bench. Fellas will know Will Hughes as well. Edward Richards came on. Amada Whitworth and Riedewald was also making up the numbers. It's a very solid Premier League squad, that Jan. And I suppose they'll be surprised if they finish any lower than where they currently are. Does it represent an opportunity into the type of side they are? Uh, one of those games where you think, well, we might be able to get it back on the, on the, on the rails against Palace at Palace, or is it one of those ones where you wince and go, oh, shit, not another one of these? No, 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 not really, Trevor. Uh, they've obviously forgotten how to win, uh, mm. and, and that's a big problem. And obviously the main reason for that is that they can't score goals. At the moment, they just don't score enough goals. Having said all of that, the last three home games, uh, draw, draw with Brighton, draw with Newcastle, draw with Manchester United. So they're still putting up a fight. Uh, you rightly pointed out some of their players. I think they got some excellent players. Olisi mm. is a is a top top player, and I'm surprised that Sa Sa had a bad injury. But I'm surprised that he. Had, I would have thought by now he would have been one of them that all the other top teams would have been looking at and go. I wouldn't mind uh, getting him. I like both centre halves, Anderson, the Dane, and and Maggie. I think they're real modern day centre halves, aggressive, can play a high line. I like the goalkeeper. I think the goalkeeper is good. Uh, when they gave the job to Patrick Vieira. They wanted, they wanted more excitement. You know, they they spend a fair bit of money uh, at Palace, and they have a good, good wage structure. And I think they wanted more for their money. Uh, and when they gave the job to Patrick Reid, I was surprised because there's nothing in his managerial career to suggest that he was going to be a success. But I thought he did well. Got into the FA Cup semi-final. They played some good stuff. But I think they've regressed a little bit this season. I'm a little bit disappointed in them uh, this year. Uh, but having said all of that, it's an away game. We don't like away games, uh, and, and we're still a big club to visit, so they'll be up for it. Saturday night, quarter eight, bizarre kickoff time. So I think taking all that into consideration, and how do we react after Real Madrid? What do we decide to do? Because we've got a game again on a Wednesday against Wolves. I don't know what we do. Does Klopp just carry on with, with what we've seen? Does he go with Fabinho and Henderson and... And Basicic, uh, again, in mid- I don't know what we do, Trevor. I really don't. If you ask me to pick the team, I'll probably go safe and think he's going to more or less go with the same team again. But that's why from now to the end of the season, I don't know, it might give us a few clues on, on, on what lies ahead in the future. You've put your finger on something interesting there now because it, 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 go with the same team again will have certain people... Uh, sort of um, pulling the hair out and going, oh, oh, Joe Gomez. Now, we know Joe apparently has a hamstring injury. Um, and apparently, that might have been the reason he was taken off, which I think most people would would have been convinced it was the fact that the game had completely gotten away from the poor kid on the night against Real Madrid. And I think it would be fair to say that he has struggled with form since he came back anyway. And the fact that Van Dijk is not the imperious Van Dijk beside him, uh, is, is difficult for, 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 for him too. Um, I would imagine the only change that will happen in that defense is, is Matip will come in. It's really interesting when you bring up the midfield thing because, I mean, what can he do really? I mean, <laughs> people will roll their eyes if they see James Milner starting, but I wouldn't be surprised, Jan. I really wouldn't be surprised if he came in for, say, Henderson or something like that. No, it's a possibility, isn't it? And of course, uh, there's other midfield players, isn't he? You know, Elliot is still about us, and maybe he deserves another one now. But I think it is it is really difficult. Of course, Gomez Gomez being out. But see, the problem with Gomez is that I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. 
You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. And it, it must be terrible if you label that as a footballer. Well, he has a mistake in him. You know, we can't get away from this. It's impossible to get away from Silva, isn't it? He has a mistake in him. Uh, he plays well and you think, wow, he's back. And then he has these games, isn't it? So it is a big problem, isn't it? But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the game. I'm excited to see the lineup. Uh, and of course, I'm excited to, to, to watch the game because anything can happen. Funny enough, Trevor, the Newcastle game on the Saturday night, I felt good. You know, I felt the, you know, everybody's going, whoa, what a difficult, yeah, I go, but I feel good. I think we can do this, you know, and, and we did. Uh, I had no specific feeling before the Real Madrid game either way. Uh, but the fascinating thing about football is that you just you just never know, do you? <laughs> you certainly don't with Erlot at the moment, no. and uh, and 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 it, it will be interesting to see what lineup he goes with. I think the the one the, the the few things that we're all looking to see is hopefully Bacetic keeps his place and gets to maybe really become a part of that setup, and 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 everyone wants to see Darwin Nunes again. I think most of us would like to see Mo Salah. Really get into a run of form. Um, there are lots of things to look forward to for sure. Uh, and, and we'll all breathe a bit easier, which is quite a statement considering how young the kid is and how new he is to the team. But we'll all breathe a bit easier when, um, Kanate is back there alongside Van Dyke. Um, probably just came a little bit too late in terms of the Real Madrid game. You do feel things might have been a little bit different with that particular pairing. But, you know, anyway, them's the breaks and and, and is the way it is now for us. We have to back that up um, with, as you said, on Wednesday night, a trip uh, or a game against Wolves. Could we please stop playing Wolves? My God, the last time we went out against them, we know what happened. It was a very upsetting and distressing afternoon. Um in the interim, uh, since then, they uh, beat Southampton 2-1. And then their most recent outing, they had a defeat uh, at home to Bournemouth 1-0. Uh, before they beat us 3-0, City beat them 3-0. Uh, there was the FA Cup game against us. We all know how that went. And then they had a 1-0 home win to West Ham uh, in the previous outing there and the last game in the league before that was one all draw with Aston Villa and in the table rankings um, they're a couple of places below uh, Crystal Palace in 14 uh, sorry 15th actually now on 23 points to Crystal Palace's 26 so theoretically Jan it should be you know if it was a numbers game it should be another one where well we are a better outfit and all the rest of it and we're playing very much below par you'd like to think if we got it together blah 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 but now we have this recent history against Wolves and um, they have this feeling of being capable of not just beating us but beating us well and really getting at us like most teams do at the moment um, that's going to be an interesting one especially so quick on the heels uh, of Saturday night how, how do you feel about that what do you make of that there's no point really us talking about their players because we've done so many Wolves analysis uh uh, recently in different podcasts. What, what, what do you think about the, the chances there of us turning the tide back in our favour? For, for, for two years, Wolves, Wolves let it slip, uh, by the appointment of the managers and the lack of investment into the team. Uh, and then they got themselves into real trouble this year. Uh, they now made a really good managerial appointment in, in Lobby They bought good players. They spent in January, which I didn't think they would, but they've spent and they, I think they've spent well. And I think they're in absolutely no danger. They will not go anywhere near that bottom three. They'll probably finish around Crystal Palace, 12, 13, 14. I like them. I think they're a really good team. Dynamic midfield players. They're still lacking a goal scorer. Uh, but, you know, they're the most difficult ones to come by, isn't it? So, I expect both these games to be really tough. Mainly because there will be an expectation 
among the you know fans will turn up, especially at Anfield on the Wednesday night. It's Wolves. We should beat these two or three. So it'll be an expectation, isn't it? But I think both games will, will provide us with, with plenty of things to, to think about because I think both of them have got both of them got something and both of them got quality. They don't show the quality every week, but they, they have when they show their quality, like they did when they beat us three 0 at the Molyneux. They're tricky, tricky uh, teams to play against, and I think they will look forward to they getting themselves away from the relegation plays, and I think they just look forward to playing games and showing everybody how good they become. Sadly, I agree with you completely. Um, I think they're going to be two far bigger challenges than they should be, both of these games. We'll finish in a few minutes with uh, your predictions for both, um, but I can't just leave it on the table without asking you uh, to just bring a full circle back to the Real Madrid tie, because it is halfway through, and I've seen some uh, I don't know, they must be on happy drugs type people uh, saying that's only half time, etc. And this to me feels now far more hopeless almost than the three nil turnaround that we uh, uh, managed to, to do against Barcelona um, in that game. This feels like something came apart and something went wrong in a very public way. Uh, in that second half and it doesn't necessarily feel salvageable to me and that's a very hard thing for me to say because you, you know I've said to you a million times it's it's my favourite trophy it's the one that makes our club so different and special and uh, do you do you see any hope there at all in terms of I mean is it one of those I've, I've seen other people go the far side and say send the kids now that clearly a bit of an extra extreme reaction but where where do you land on that do you, do you see it as an unnecessary sort of annoyance now at this stage or is there some sliver of you know well we're we're nuts in europe who knows well compare the children we lost three to barcelona no inquest nobody batted an eyelid we were disappointed but that's all mm. you know nobody nobody asked for anything to be changed we went on to the next game and even when the game at anfield came we we build up a belief that we could win. I don't think we build up a belief that we could win 4-0, but we build up a belief that we could win the game. You just asked me with the Real Madrid game. I would rather it was over. Mm. I would rather we didn't have to negotiate this second leg because it's difficult. I know that once we played the second leg, there's only one Premier League round left before the international break. But nevertheless, all our players are going to go away and play international football as well, Andy. So it is, it is a bit... So, yeah, I'm being honest. I'd rather we didn't have to go and play that game. Uh, send the kids. No, I would never ever dream of sending the kids. Uh, we're going to go there, put our strong team and compete and maybe get some pride back, isn't it? But uh, it feels totally different from Barcelona. And also Jürgen feels totally different. Wasn't it? Mm. He was so disappointed with the Barcelona, but he wouldn't let it go, would he? You know, and, and, and he was part of building that belief that we could beat them. He's going to find it difficult to find that same enthusiasm for for the for the second leg in Madrid. Yeah, yeah. He won't be the only one, but uh, it'll be it's it's a while off and we'll speak about it when it comes around. Let's wrap it up then by just doing the usual and getting uh, your gut feeling on result or uh, prediction for um first of all the uh Crystal Palace game and then the Wolves one. I I, I just haven't I don't know. Uh and I, and I can't guarantee you Trevor, but I think there'll be some reaction to the Real Madrid game. Mm. I'm not suggesting the reaction would be enough for, for us to sit back in our chair again and go. So it might be ugly. Uh, but I do believe that sometimes you just find something, don't you? You know, in your sort of darkest hour, you find something that's enough. That is not your brilliant best I'm talking about. You find something else. Something else that comes with you being a top player. Because being a top player is much more about just being a top player. You also bring a personality and and uh, and uh, responsibility. And I think we'll find something at Palace, and I think we'll beat them two one. Uh, and as for Wolves, what do you reckon to that one? Now, I still think, although the Real Madrid game was at Anfield, uh, but I still think we've been we've been okay at home, and we 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 managed to put it together. Uh, so. It's a similar scoreline as the one I think we might get a Sellers back. I think we'll beat Wolves 2-1 again. Uh, but I have to say that, once again, 
both games will be extremely tricky. Yeah, and it comes back to what you said right back to the start, the, the odd situation of not being able to trust what we're going to get from this lot. It's a funny, funny, funny world that we're living in at the moment. But we push our way through it, and Jan and I will be back hopefully next Thursday if that suits him, uh, where we'll have two games to talk about, the ones we just mentioned, uh, and another couple to look forward to. Um, but until then, for yet another fantastic show and taking us down memory lane as well into the bargain. Thanks very much, man. Do you know what, Trevor? For years we did this uh, out of vision so people couldn't see us. And I used to sit in my office with my feet up on the desk and go, I think it'll be 4 nil. I think it'll be 6 nil." You know? <laughs> I, I can't quite promise the same uh, at the moment. Yeah. The quicker we can get back to that, the better. So That would be nice. Absolutely. That's why you need to keep listening. That's what you need to keep listening. So let's get Jan back on his on his cozy chair with his feet up. That's where we need to be. Uh listen, we'll be back with you next week. I've been Trev Denny, that was Jan Mulby, and this is Mulby on the spot for Anfield Index Pro. We'll talk to you next week. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.